by nature. We're going to dismiss the teens at this time. Naughty by nature. Amen. And I want to preach and teach from this subject, get out of the middle. Get out of the middle. Amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all should have did this while I was talking. Hallelujah. Now I got to wait on you. That's why y'all up here, they ain't paying attention. Nothing I got to say. Amen. That's Maisha. Amen. That's Jonathan. Amen. Put one over there. Uh, yeah, put them all over there. That's fine. That's fine. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Uh-huh. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You might have to put it in the chair. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Hallelujah. Amen. That ain't going to work either. Praise the Lord. All right. So lay them down on the ground for me. Lay them down on the ground for me. I'll, I'll take care of it. I got it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Y'all good? We good? Praise the Lord. Thank you so very much. Huh? Yeah, you can move the chairs now. Amen. Y'all give it up for uh, our production. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse number 17. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse number 17. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse number 17. Um, I'm continuing in this series on today because uh, I need for us to look at this a little deeper that in reality, we are all naughty by nature. Look at your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. You're, naughty. you're naughty. But you can't help yourself. <laughs> it's in your nature, it's in your nature. Amen. Second Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse number 17. The Bible says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone a new life has begun. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, New Living Translation, has become a new person. Tap yourself, say, I'm a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Here's the problem with that statement. Um, I don't feel like that. There are days in my life where I don't feel as if the old life is gone and a new life has begun. In fact, if we be honest, not you, but maybe your neighbor would just be honest enough to say, most days, I see the old me and not the new me. I see the old me, you know, you know that, the old, the old me. The, the, my question becomes, <laughs> if the old life is gone, why does the old life keep popping up? Because I've lived long enough to discover, ladies and gentlemen, that my praise can be great on Sunday and my lifestyle can be a mess Monday through Saturday. Live long enough to know that I can worship him until I'm slain at the altar and still leave and watch pornography. Because if I be honest, I've discovered that I am naughty by nature. I mean, I don't want to cuss. I don't want to. I don't want to sleep around. I, I don't want to smoke weed. I, I don't want to drink. Or, 
have I conditioned myself so much in my flesh that now when the spirits say no, you can't even hear it? Because we're naughty by nature. We're nasty by nature. We're rude by nature. We're freaky by nature. We're messy by nature. We're liars by nature. Mm -hmm. And if the old life is gone and the new life has begun, why am I still this selfish? Why do I still sometimes feel distant from God? Why to this day do I still struggle with insecurities? I mean, I really want to do right, but it seems like I end up disappointing myself and God in my pursuit. And we, let's be honest, we didn't try a self-help book. We didn't try prayer. We didn't try resolutions. But nothing seems to work. I mean, how many times you done told yourself you're going to lose weight? And I keep making the same mistakes and end up feeling discouraged all over again. Now, I need to pause here because some of you are trying to act like I am the only one that I'm talking about. But is there anybody in here that could just be real and be honest saying, Pastor, I'm right here with you because the truth of the matter is I try to be the best Christian I can be. But sometimes when I look in the mirror, I don't see the Christian. I don't see the righteous. I see the ratchet. I ain't got no good, good talkers in here. Uh, and I wonder to myself, how can I, what, what's gone? My old life is gone and new life has begun. What is really gone? Well, we said this on two weeks ago. Let me catch you up. What's gone is, number one, that we are no longer separated from God. That if you are a Christian and you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you are no longer separated from Jesus Christ. We learn that in Ephesians 2 and 12, that we are in God's family. Look down your row and tell them we are part of the family. We don't have the same name. We don't have the same last name. We don't have the same hue. We don't have the same color. But guess what? We are all a part of God's family. We might not have grew up in the same city or the same house, but when we came under the blood, the blood made us all the same family. And is there anybody in here that can say, I'm glad that I'm not out in some island living my life by myself, but I'm a part of something. I am not separated from God anymore. I am right connected with God every single day of my life. What's gone? I'm not no longer separated from God. Number two, the penalty for sin. The penalty of sin is gone. Jesus bore the full penalty of, for, of your sin and my sin on the cross. He took the penalty of our sins that I no longer, when I come to Christ, have to pay the price for the stuff I do wrong. I, I, I want you to do this, and, and some of y'all might have to say this by faith, but look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. I ain't going to hell. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I am not going to pay the penalty for my sins because when Jesus went on Calvary's cross, all my stuff was imputed onto him and all his righteousness was imputed onto me. And now I am the righteousness of Christ. And even though I might act crazy and I might do some things wrong, I'm still in the overflow in my righteousness account. Okay. So I no longer have to pay the penalty of sin. Number three, I no longer, watch this, have to deal with the bondage to sin. 
we will sin, but we don't have to. Let me say that again, because I know this generation teaches you that you got issues, you got problems, and you're supposed to always struggle, and you're supposed to always go through what you go through. Guess what? You are no longer bound by sin. Watch this, because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. So it doesn't matter what the sin is that you and I are in. We are not bound in it to, uh, to it anymore. If we do it, it's because we chose to, not because we have to. And is there anybody here that could just be honest and say, uh, I do it because I choose to. I do it. I do it. It be calling me. It be, it be calling me. I ain't got no callers in here. I say, it be calling me. It be calling me. I be in my, you know, just minding my business. And it be, Philip, Philip, huh? Watch this. Watch this. So that's what's a part of the old life. We, we, we are no longer, that's what's old. That's what's passed away. That's why Romans 6 and 18 says this. Look what it says in Romans 6 and 18. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. That we have been set free from sin, but what isn't gone, watch this, is our tendency to sin. We have a draw, we have a pull, we have a slant towards sin that if we don't get control over it, we will fall for it every time. And is there anybody in here that say, I didn't come through what I came through, gave my life to Jesus Christ, got saved and redeemed for me to live in bondage over sin for 30 years? Mm. We have a sinful nature that is at war with God's spirit that's within us. And the Bible says that we are sinners by birth and by choice. But because Jesus Christ worked on the cross, we can overcome sin. So two weeks ago, we said that in order to deal with the distraction, detours, and destruction of the old life, what did we say? Number one, you got to be led by the Spirit. Let the church say led by the Spirit. <laughs> to overcome what I'm doing, I need the Lord to lead me. I need the Lord to guide me. I need the Lord, maybe not y'all, but I need him to speak to me. I need him to tell me when to shut my big mouth. <laughs> this is the biggest mouthest church I ever seen in my life, and that was the worst praise I ever heard right there. How dare you sit up here with your loud self saying all kind of rude stuff, don't know when to put them lips back together, and sit there and say, mm-hmm, you right, preacher. I need you to touch your neighbor and say, you need God to help you with that big mouth of yours. Yeah, because that mountain got you in some trouble. That mountain got you in some situations. That mountain, is there anybody in here that can agree with your pastor that can say, my mountain got me in trouble a few times over, and I need him to lead me with my mouth, with my mouth. I need him to lead me. I need, I need God to lead me. I can't go to work without God leading me. I can't be married without God leading me. Shoot, I can't be single without God leading me. I need the Lord to lead me to drive down the street in Jacksonville. Because if he don't lead me, I need him to lead me to help me to shut down my flesh. I can't do this by myself. Amen. I need him to lead me even in how I love people. 
I need him to help me. I need him to lead me. Because I discovered every time I take the wheel, I go into the ditch. Every time I try to do this thing by myself and on my own, I make a mess of it. I, I know that ain't y'all, but I'm going to just talk about me. That, that every time I put my hand to the wheel, I always end up at the wrong place at the wrong time. But I need God to lead me every single day of my life. I have to be led by the Spirit. Number two, we said you have to identify your signature sin. Where's the place that I do what I don't want to do, but I do it anyway, and then ask for forgiveness? And then say, I'll never do that again. And then start the cycle all over again. How, how many of you have ever prayed the prayer, Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll never do that again. And you did it again. You spent the money that you didn't have. Then you asked the Lord, Lord, work a miracle. <clears throat> you came to the altar, cried, fell out because you mismanaged what God gave you. And then you needed a miracle, not realizing that if you manage what he gave you, you wouldn't need so many miracles. Yeah. And then you say, Lord, get me out. And then a sale happened. <laughs> and you get right back in the same place all over again. Mm-hmm. Help us, Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got to identify my signature sin. What is the thing that, 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 that I don't want to tell nobody about, but it's really going on? What is the thing that I come to church and act like it ain't there? Yeah. Because that's where we live at. You know, I, I've been pastoring nine years, Jennifer, and I've discovered that when I talk to people, I'm always talking to their representative. I'm not talking to the real them. And, and it's not until trouble shows up that the real them shows up. Because you, you don't know who you really are until you have to go through, right? right? You know, I, don't tell me who you are when all your bills are paid and your, your, your honey acting right. I know the real you when honey don't come home. <laughs> I know the real you when you have to go through a season of people acting like they don't even know who you are. I know the real you when you don't get validated and patted on your back. That's the real you. Do me a favor. I know I tell you to touch your neighbor a lot. Y'all put that on my post this week when, about what I say, and that's fine. That's, that's, that's to make sure that you don't fall asleep while I'm preaching because it's an insult and an injury to, 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 to all this hard work that you fall asleep while I'm preaching because I've slaved over this for hours and hours, and then you want to disrespect me by falling asleep. But anyway. You ready for another one? I ain't scared of none of y'all. <laughs> Watch this. I need you to look at your neighbor and say, will the real you please show up before God? Because many of us have faked our whole lives for so long that when it's time to be real with God, he going to look at us and say, depart from me. I know you're not. I never knew who you were. Because we can't be real before God. And when you get real before God, that's when you can identify your signature sin and say, hey, God, here it is. This it. This, this the one. I mean, I got many, but this the one. This the one that'll make me change my entire plans. This the one that'll rearrange my whole schedule over. Yeah, I got to identify my signature sin. Number three, I got to develop new desires. I got to develop new desires. How do you develop new desires? You got to chase after God. 
and he will change your desires. The Bible says if I delight myself in him, he will what? Give me the desires of my heart. You are not growing until what God wants is what you want. You don't really grow in God until your desires change to the place, but until what you want is what God wants and what God wants is what you want. I, I, I know you, you, you watch this because a lot of times what we try to do is we try to tell God, God, this is what I want. Bless this. And God is saying, I know you are growing in me when you can come to me and say, God, anyway, you bless me. I'll be satisfied. See, that, see, that's not, that's when you really grow in God. Stop coming to God with this laundry list of the stuff that you want and desire that has nothing to do with his will, but it makes you look good. Ooh. But when was the last time you said, God, whatever you want to do, I'm all, it's all right with me. If you close the door, I'm still going to praise you. If you don't, if you open the door, I'm still going to bless you. If you give it to me, I'm going to give you the praise. And if you don't give it to me, I'm still going to give you the praise. I need on the count of three for you to give God a praise for what God didn't give you that you wanted that didn't happen for you. One, two, three. Now give him praise there. Not for what he gave you, for what he didn't give you. That's when you're growing in God. Tell me you're growing in God when you come to church. You grow in God when God tells you no and you still keep on praising him. When God doesn't make the way and you still keep on blessing him. See, here's the issue that I'm having. Here's the issue that I'm having in the church. The great falling away that people are walking away from the church and all this kind of stuff is because I've discovered here's, what it, here's what's the problem. You hear the pie in the sky, but you don't hear the suffering. <laughs> so when suffering shows up, you don't know how to handle it. You fall apart. You run away. Can I, get, let me just do this. Let me get, can I just do this? Um, um, Ronika, stand up for me, please. Uh, Ronika, stand up. Lois, stand up for me. On yesterday, Ronika funeralized her grandmother, who sh that was her heart, and Lois funeralized on yesterday her mother. And they are both in church this Sunday morning. Thank y'all. And you go through one bad breakup and God can't find you for a whole year. You don't get the job that you was praying for and all of a sudden God ain't who he say who he is. Can you bless God when the day is going good? And can you bless God when the day is going bad? Because just because I had a bad day does not mean I'm having a bad life. If he's good on a good day, he's still good on a bad day. Now I need you to bless God in spite of everything that ain't working your way. That takes maturity. That takes maturity. It's, 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 it's all right to bless them when everything is going good, but you ain't got a good praise until all hell is coming after you and you don't know which way to go, but you still say, I'll bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So you got to develop new desires. But I said all that to get to here. That was three. Here's number four. Number four, watch this. I got to get out the middle. If I'm going to overcome this naughty by nature, I got to get out the middle. Here's the problem. Um, we have mastered the middle. We have mastered the space between righteousness and ratchetness. 
Um, if you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give it to him. But I'm, I'm going to be real with you on this morning. I'm not really talking to unbelievers. I'm talking to you saints that live in the middle. The middle is the space between seeking God and self-serving our flesh. The middle is the place that I attempt to satisfy God and satisfy my flesh at the same time. The middle is the place that I'm sold out for God, but I have not died to myself yet. The middle is the place where I want all things to work together for my good, but I have, but I have my own agenda at the same time. Y'all getting right, real quiet right through here. It's the place where I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ, but the good I would do, I don't do. And the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Here we go. We don't blatantly lie. We just don't tell the whole truth. It's going to get rough right through here. We don't overtly use people. We just position ourselves for favors. You know the number of callbacks you got to make in order for the person to do what you want them to do. It's going to get tight right through here. Y'all thank you, Tanya. <laughs> we don't commit adultery. We just entertain the DMs. I'm talking about the middle. We don't sleep around. We just watch porn. And so that's better, because at least I ain't messing with nobody else, and you know. Uh -huh. We don't talk about people. We just shady when their name is mentioned. There's a strong shade spirit right over here. There's a, there's a strong shade spirit right over here. And you have mastered the middle. And Jesus comes along and said, I wish you would be either hot or cold. Because it's lukewarm stuff, I want to spew you out. That's right, that's that in-between stuff, you know, it's nothing worse, Deidre, than a friend that you're not sure what side of the fence they on. Because you start looking at them suspect like, now you for me or are you against me? Oh, God, don't let them have good relationships with people you don't like anymore. Now they suspect. You know that's how y'all do in the church. Soon as the friend that you was friends with, y'all done fell out, and because y'all done fell out, when you see them talking to the person that you don't like as well, now you looking like. <laughs> and let me tell you what you do. Here's what you do. Here's what they do. You ready for this? Then you say to yourself, with your sanctified self, birds of a feather. Just look down your row. You ain't got to say nothing. Just look down your row. On your row as a person that has mastered the middle. Yeah, yeah, you're not all the way one way. I mean, you're not all the way just ratchet. But you're not all the way righteous. And you live in the middle. And what we do is, while we're in the middle, we then excuse our behavior by, watch this, applauding how far we've come but never growing to where God wants us to go. You've mastered the middle. You know, God wants you to be faithful. You every now and again.
we've mastered the middle. We, we in between. And God is saying, I, I don't want you to be hot or cold. I, 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 don't want you to be, I don't want you to be lukewarm. I need you to be hot or cold. Choose one. We love the middle. Because the middle is the place where compromise and negotiate, and we negotiate our souls to satisfy our flesh. Somebody say the middle. I want you to see this quote. Look on the screen. Watch this. Henry Cloud says this. Is it on there? You got it? It's not on there? Thank you. Part of maturity is when you can let go of one wish in order to have another. The immature mind wants it all. But the most valuable things, great marriage, great career, financial independence, vibrant faith, comes with a cost. And you have to make hard choices. What he's saying is, when you are immature, watch this, you can't let go of one wish in order to have another. You want it all. I, I remember when I was growing up, I used to have this problem that I never understood till I got older. And old folk used to say this. Uh, my mom and grandmama used to say this. I didn't know it was a condition, but it's a condition that you have. And, and you know, uh, pray for me because I still, sometimes it still comes up and, and I still have to battle with it. And, and they used to say, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. <laughs> Anybody know that condition? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Y'all was ready to tell you some deep thing. I know, I got it. Um, they, would, they would say, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Because we would go to eat, and, you know, everything was laid out. And I wanted something of everything. And what I did not realize was the immaturity of my youth wanted more than I could handle. So I load up a plate and then get in trouble on the back end because watch this, now I'm wasting food. And my mother and my grandmother would say, do you know how hard we work to put that on the table? And now you want to waste it because your eyes are bigger than your stomach? Can I help you? You know you are immature spiritually when your eyes are bigger than what God really wants for you. I know you want it all. You want the house, the two cars, 2.5 children, the white dog named Fifi, the white picket fence, and you want it all by 27 years old. Touch your neighbor and say, your eyes are bigger than your stomach. Because, watch this, what your mature immaturity is not telling you is that you are trying to take on more than you can handle. And can I help you? Some of y'all took on some relationships that were more than you could handle. You, you took on you took on responsibilities that were more than you could handle. You took on stuff that, you took on friends that were more than you could handle. Because your eyes were bigger than your stomach. He says that's the immature. But the most valuable things, great marriage, great career, financial independence, vibrant faith, comes with a cost. And you have to make hard choices. Let me give it to you, Bible, because I know y'all don't, you know, we don't like to read. So let me give you to you, Bible, because I know you read your Bible all day long. Um, the Bible says, choose ye this day whom you will serve. See, you have to make the hard choice and get out the middle. You can't have a great marriage one day but sleep around now. Don't make me make every single person in here stand to their feet and say that all over again. 
You can't have a great marriage one day but sleep around now. Because you're picking up stuff now that will infect and affect the marriage later. And you talking about sowing your row of oats. Okay, sow on. After a while, you ain't going to have nothing to sow. You can't save money and get out of debt, but still buying things and taking trips you can't afford. You got to choose. You can't lose weight and eat the ice cream. It don't work like that. You got to get out the middle. The middle is slowing down your progress. The middle is blocking God's best for your life. The middle is messing up your growth. You must decide what is more valuable to you. I'm glad you're not shouting. I want you to think. Because what you value will prevent you from being in the middle. Can I say that one more time? Because I don't think you got what I just said. What you value will prevent you from being in the middle. So if I value this, I ain't on the fence no more. I'm going to make sure I go after this with everything I got. Because there's a tug of war that is going on. And the middle, watch this, for many of you, is the safe place. When your flesh is raging, the middle becomes your safety zone. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. A little bit of sin, a little bit of God. A little bit of self, a little bit of Savior. Watch this. Here we go. And then get mad with God when your flesh sabotages your own season. I didn't know it was going to be this hard. I didn't know I had to deal with all this. Did you pray? Or did you just see the shiny thing and you went after it? You would be surprised. You would be surprised how many people are mad at God. Christians and mad at God. As if God has charged you wrong in some type of way. Because we can't understand how is it that I'm going through this and we sing about a good God. Uh, how can I, how can I, how can God be so good and I still struggle like this? How can God be so good and, and he took them so soon? How can God be so good and I still have to be in the same place that I've been in for the last 10 years? You know why he's good? It was good for me that I be afflicted. Ooh, y'all don't like that right there. It was good for me that even if I went through it and God used it, he used it to grow me up and mature me to make me better. And is there anybody in here that could give God just a little bit of praise that in spite of the worst that you had to go through, it was still for your good. Give your neighbor a high five and say, it was for your good. Everything you struggled through was for your good. Every time you had to cry, it was for your good. Every time you went without, it was for your good. Every time you had to hurt, it was for your good. And I need to know, is there anybody in here that can give God praise that it was for your good? It was for your good. It may not felt good, but it was still for your good. It may not have looked good, but it was still for your good. That's, that's the problem. It's the problem. Because we're looking at God and trying to, watch this, find fault in him. And the psalmist says, I find no fault in God. Because no matter what I go through, 
And no matter how life turns on me, and no matter what the situation look like, all things are going to work together. The good, the bad, the ugly, the up, the down, it's all going to work for my good. Might not like it, but it's going to work for my good. It's going to work for my good. It's going to work for my good. So why is thou face so downcast? Where your praise at? Where your rejoicing at? Where, where, where's, your, where's the place where you can give God praise even in the midst of what you're going through? Can I help you? Watch this. I come from the old church. And from the, in the old church, they would tell you, no matter what you go through, come on, baby, give them praise. Come on, clap your hands. Lift your hands. Open your mouth. Give them glory. Give them praise. What I did not understand, because you think that's control and manipulation, what you did not realize was they were trying to shift your spirit out of doom and gloom and shift it over into gratefulness and praise. And some of you, the reason why the struggle is so hard is because you ain't learned how to give God a show enough crazy praise in the midst of the tears, in the midst of the heartache, in the midst of the burden. I need to do this without any help. I need for you to give God just about 10 seconds of praise that in spite of what I'm going through, he's still worthy. Come on. In spite of it, I'm still going to give him glory. In spite of what it looks like, I'm still going to give them praise. Come on. We're almost there. You got to shift your spirit. You got to shift your anxiety. You got to shift your worry. You got to shift your depression. It ain't about what you feel. Why do we have to sing you into you, to that place? Why do we have to get up here and bust our throat in order for you to get to that place? Some of the hell you're going through will stop if you ever get a praise. Some of the hell that you're dealing with will cease if you learn how to give them glory. There's a tug of war that's going on in the middle. Your flesh is raging. When things don't work out the way you want to work out, then you get mad with God when your flesh sabotages the season. Because God is saying, watch this, watch this. God will shut you down, watch this, because he knows you can't take them habits into your promised land. He knows you can't take that mindset into your blessing. God says, get out of the middle so I can hook you up with your miracle. You got to get out the middle. Because the middle is not serving you any good purpose. Your miracle is already prepared. It's, it's already got your name on it, but you got to get out the middle in order to get to your miracle. Because the, miracle, the middle is stopping your miracle. Your blessing is waiting on the other side of your obedience. Your yes to God is setting you up for greater. But you got to get to that place where you get out the middle. Paul says you got to leave the old life completely. Come on, let's go. Romans 6, 6 and 16. The Bible says, don't you realize that you become a slave to what, of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Paul says, watch this, there is no in-between. When, when we live like a slave, we are bound and constrained to something. 
Either you are a slave to sin that leads to death or obedience that leads to life. Look at your neighbor and say, choose life. Choose life. Come at Deidre. So what are you enslaved to? Uh, just hold this. Go behind and just hold it. Go on the other side and just hold that. Uh, come here, somebody. All right. Watch this. Turn that around for me. What are you enslaved to? Turn it around for me. Here's what you're enslaved to. Let me give you a list of what you're enslaved to. The sinful nature, which is sexual immorality. Hold it up just for a minute. I want them to see it. Impure thoughts, selfishness, jealousy, lying, hatred, quarreling, rage, drunkenness, strife. That's what that's comes with the sinful nature. Watch this. But God's plan for your life, turn that around, is the fruit of the Spirit. Hold that up. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So watch this. We look at the two lists, and we say, I don't want to live over here. I don't want to live in this, because I know this leads to death. I don't want to do this. I don't want to live with these. Here we go, saints. Dysfunctions. Cute word. Well, you need to change that. Sin. I don't want to live in this zone. So, so what am I going to do? Watch this. God says you got to live over here. Here's the problem with over here. It's hard. This ain't, this, ain't, this ain't easy. I love everybody. My boss, too. My ex. I, I got to love everybody. I, I, got to, I got to have joy. You mean to tell me I can't come to church and fold my arms and poke my mouth out that I'm mad at the world? I got to, I got to walk in joy. That Watch this. Joy is not the same thing as happiness. Happiness depends on what's happening. Joy is an internal, uh, uh, something that God gives you that no matter what is happening, you still got joy. I got to walk in joy. I got to walk in peace. I can't spill a little bit of the tea. You tea spiller. I wish you would look at me. It's a tea spiller on your rope. You don't know what that means? Ask your neighbor. I have to walk in patience. Which means, wait a minute, patience. So that means my face got to be delivered too? Not just my mouth, but my face as well? I can't flutter my eyes and roll them? I got to walk in patience? Oh, oh, I got to walk in kindness? This hard. I got to have self-control? I can't do what I want when I want, how I want. I can't eat what I want when I want. I have to have self-control too. This hard. So here's the struggle. I don't want to be over here. And I ain't willing to do all the work over here. Y'all can put it down. I want your arms to hurt. So, so what do I do? Come on. Somebody. Watch this. 
I gotta get in the middle. So, so what does what does what is what does the middle look like? What does the middle look like? Can I just teach this just for a minute? I gotta I gotta teach this just for a minute. What does the middle look like? Here we go. Watch this. I, I can't I can't be in drunkenness and the joy, fruit of the spirit of joy. That's hard, especially if you'd have had a long day. I'm tired. And I need to have some relief. Watch this. So the middle, I just, I'm just tipsy. <laughs> I'm not drunk. I'm just tipsy. No, y'all don't hear me. Y'all don't hear me. I, I, that's the middle. That's the middle. Because I'm tipsy. Watch this. Around people who know I go to church and who know I confess Jesus Christ. And now my witness is tainted. No wonder why they won't come to church with you. Because it's the middle. Oh, okay. Watch this. So, um, I, 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 I'm going to have, I'm going to be, I don't want to be selfish. I don't, I don't want to be selfish. I want to be, here we go. I want to be, make sure I'm patient with everybody and everything. So, but, but that's hard. Because some people got it coming. Some people just got it coming. You, you, you say something at me, I'm going to say it back. So watch this. The middle is now impatience. It's not all the time. It's just some of the time. You know, who left these shoes in the middle of the floor? <laughs> Mama, weren't you the same one that just shouted all over the church this morning? Your Holy Ghost completely gone that quick? Touch your neighbor and say, get it back, get it back, get it back. Get it back. Ooh. Watch this. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm going, I don't want to walk in, in hatred and lying and quarreling. I'm not going to walk in that. But I got to walk in gentleness and kindness. That's hard. That's hard. So the middle is grudges. Let me just hold this grudge. Been, I've, been, I've, been, I've been working with them for years, and I still got a problem with them. You've been on that company how long now? And your eyes still rolling? Every time they open their mouth in the meeting? That's the middle. That's the middle. And while you don't think it's nothing wrong, because you have convinced yourself, I go to church on Sunday. And so when I come here, bless the Lord, hallelujah. I'm giving them praise, I'm giving them glory but you living in the middle. Oh, okay. Um, what's the middle? A critical spirit? You can always find something wrong with everybody. It's getting quiet right through here. You're real criti critical about everything and everybody. But you don't realize how that's a detriment because you're even critical of your church and got the nerve to be sharing it with people outside this church or people that are new in the faith in the church and you are tainting other spirit, other people's spirit with your own criticalness. You know, you know, the critical spirit will have people, watch this, diverting from you. Because when they come to you for encouragement, all they get is critical. Ooh. Ah, it's getting quiet. I, you know, 
I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to have sexual immorality. I'm, I'm not going to have sexual immorality. But that's self-control. I get hot sometimes. Listen. Come on now. Friday nights Amen. ain't no joke on the preacher. You hear me? Well, I told myself I need to go out of town every week here. Just go out of town. Just distract myself. Because it get hard sometimes for the preacher. Now, if I know it can get hard for the preacher, what it's doing for y'all? Can I talk to some single people right through here? And some married people. So watch this. And because self-control takes too much time and it's too, and, it, and it's too hard sometimes, let me just watch a little pornography. It's the in-between. It's the in-between. Nobody sees me. Nobody knows. Mm-hmm. Watch this. Watch this. I, I'm, 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 I, got, I got a temper that flares up every now and again. I love God, but don't push me. Am I talking to anybody this morning? I, I know I ain't hollering at y'all, but am I talking to anybody that know what I'm talking about? That this middle is a mess? I love people. I do. I love people. But every now and again, I need to get even. I need to get even. And watch this. Thank you, Deidre, because the Lord just gave that to you. Um, it wasn't that I diverged. I, I didn't put a plan together to get even. Getting even is showing up in your pettiness. So if the person is plus size, child, she got all that weight. And if the person is skinny, she too small. You need some meat on your bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me, let, me just, let me just get even. Let me be petty. Let me, y'all ain't like me, but let me wait till the right opportune time. I'm going to sit on something for a long time. And I'm going to wait until you open your mouth up. And it's open season. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever sat on the shade? Watch this. Watch this. This I don't want to do. This is too hard to do. So let me live in the middle. Watch this. I don't like truth. I don't like truth, because truth is just too much for me. You know, even as I'm preaching, some of y'all are filtering my message through your opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. I don't agree with that. What about this? I don't, you know, I, you know. Well, who wrote this? Can I? Let me bless you. Let me bless you. Lord just gave this to me just now in this moment. You question that. But when your car breaks down, you never question who built it. You just get it fixed and keep it rolling. How about when it comes to the things of God, even when you don't like what's happening, don't question it, just get it fixed and keep it rolling. Trying to talk yourself out of it because you don't like truth. Truth is too hard, but I'm not going to live over here. So let me just live in deception. They love me. 
care what nobody say. God sent this person for me. Touch your neighbor and say, oh, really? Oh, really? <laughs> Ask they side piece if they did. Anyway, let me keep moving. Deception. Let the church say deception. deception. Let me tell you how deep deception is, the middle. Watch this. Deception is so deep. I don't want to be a liar. I'll just deceive. You know what that means? I'll only tell the parts of the story that make me look good. That's deception. Mm -hmm. And the problem with the middle is that the middle can be the most miserable place. I want to be good with God. But I want to be selfish. I want to be greedy. I want to be lustful. I want to be foolish. And then you start to live, watch this, with regret and loss when you live in the middle. Touch everybody you can reach and tell them, get out the middle. Get out the middle. Get out the middle. This is why there's no peace in our soul. This is why there's no peace in our soul. Because we're living in the middle. And the middle will make you live with regret and loss. That's why no peace in our soul. Mm -hmm. That's why anxiety and depression trying to take us out, because you're trying to live in the middle. If you're going to fix anxiety and depression, at least let it be a fight towards the victory and not towards defeat. Oh, I need to, I need to, I need to bust that up. Because some of y'all have that thing confused that you have taken on a label and have subscribed to that, and now that becomes your definition. Can I tell you something? If I'm gonna fight through depression and anxiety, at least let me fight towards victory. I ain't gonna go through this. I'm not saying I don't have it. I'm saying if I got it, at least while I'm fighting, let me fight to a place of victory. I need somebody in here to say, Pastor, I am fighting towards a place of victory, that even what's coming against me, I believe that there's victory on the other side of this. So here we go. Here's the problem in the middle. Matthew 6, 24. Let's go. No one can serve two masters. You can't be all over the place. No one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. Either you can serve the master of sin or you can serve the master of obedience. You got to be a slave to obedience. As a Christian, I know y'all don't like that word slave, but I need you to hear this. Christian, as a Christian, we are bound and devoted to obedience. You know what that means? You're not free to do what you want to do. Sorry, you're not free. Jesus purchased you when he went on that cross. His blood purchased you. We went over that months ago in that discipleship piece, that you were on the market and the enemy was, had purchased your soul, had got your spirit, and God bought you back, redeemed you, and now you belong to Jesus Christ. You don't even belong to your husband. You don't belong to your wife. God owns you. And now, because he owns you, there's a price you have to live out called obedience. Everybody say obedience. Obedience, obedience is your worship, ladies and gentlemen. After you lift your hands, now obey. After you sing your song, now obey. After you preach your message, now obey. Because your obedience is your worship towards God. Come on, let's go. Romans 6, verse number 20 through 21. Look what the Bible says. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. Come on, let's go. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that ended in eternal doom. Come on, let's go. 
Watch this. He says, how do you know you're enslaved to sin? How do you know? Here's the question I need you to ask yourself. How do you know you are enslaved to sin? Here we go. Here we go. Are things around you dying? So I talked about pornography, my issue, right? What dies as a result of pornography? Intimacy. I no longer need or want intimacy with people. It's all right. Okay, y'all got to stop all this moving. I no longer want intimacy with people because now I'm substituting it through a machine. Do you see that? Ask yourself, what's dying because of your sin? I need you to think about that. Is your passion for God and worship dying? Is the way you treat other people right, even if they do wrong, dying? Is your pursuit of obedience dying? It might not be a devil problem. It might be a sin problem. Because we love putting stuff on the devil. The devil's sitting back to me, I ain't got nothing to do with that. That was you. I, I didn't tell you to cuss them out. That was you. I didn't tell you to sit at home with the covers over your head. That was you. Can anybody look at some moments in your life and just, and just realize was me. That was no devil. That was me. And I got to get me under control. Here we go. How do you stay out of the middle? How do you stay out of the middle? Thank y'all so much. Y'all can put that on stage in, a, in one pile. Thank you so very much. Just lay it down. How do you stay out of the middle? Anybody want to know how you stay out of the middle? I said, anybody want to know how you stay out of the middle? Here we go. Romans 6, verse number, thank you, 11 through 14. Romans 6, verse number 11 through 14. How do you stay out of the middle? Here we go. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any parts of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Verse number 14, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Let's work it out. How do you not, how do you get out of the middle? How do you get out of the middle? Here's number one, write this down. Take off what doesn't fit anymore. Take off what does not fit anymore. Take off what does not fit. Ain't nothing worse than putting on some clothes that don't fit no more. The pressure, the pain, The suffocation <laughs> of trying to put on something. Watch this. The hurt to your ego that you ain't your high school size anymore. I don't know what happens after you graduate high school <laughs> that your body say, just stop doing whatever you was doing to fight off the fat. Anybody like me know that there's certain points in your life where stuff started changing? where the fat started coming, watch this, and then what you used to eat now don't agree with you no more. 
I mean, you used to eat it with no problem. Now I tear your stomach up all the time. Look at your neighbor and say, you getting old, you getting old, you getting old. Here we go. Take off what doesn't fit anymore. This, I need to work this out real quick. So can we just think just for a minute? I need us to think just for a minute because I need to teach this principle. Paul uses the first 10 verses in, in, in Romans 6. Um, it, go back and read it when you get a chance. Romans 6, the first 10 verses, he uses it to answer the question that's in verse number 1. And in verse number 1, he asks the question, should we go on sinning since sin abounds, grace much more would abound? Should we go on the sin? Should we just keep on sinning? Since I got grace, should I just keep on sinning? Should I get saved and then never grow? Should I get saved and just say, the Lord knows my heart? Should I get saved and stop maturing in God? Watch this. And Paul uses 10 verses to show us that when Jesus died, we died as well. When he was buried, we were buried as well. When he rose, we rose as well. And when Jesus walks into a newness of life, we also walk into a newness of life. In other words, the first 10 verses of this chapter, Paul has been saying that we are united with Jesus Christ in his death. Therefore, we have fulfilled the penalty of sin. Every demand of the law was met. Every, every demand of sin was met. And the power of sin has been conquered. Now, when Jesus, the perfect lamb of the spotless lamb of God, he lived a perfect, sinless life. When he died, his death was a mark that was left to say that sin did not conquer him. And because when he died and we died in him, watch this, when we gave our life to Jesus Christ, when he died, we also died in him. And when he rose, we also rose in him. That means the same power that Jesus Christ has is now dwelling on the inside of us. That's why the Bible says, greater is he that's within me than he that's in the world. Because you got a power that is supernatural residing on the inside of you because of what Jesus Christ did. Now, here we go. And because Jesus' death was so uh, effectively conquered, it so effectively conquered sin, we dying in him effectively conquered sin in us as well. So the moment I place my faith in Jesus Christ by divine miracle, watch this, I enter into his death and resurrection. My old life dies and I rise to walk in a newness of life. The penalty for sin is, is paid, but here's the greater point, but the power of sin is now broken off my life. Grab your neighbor by the hand, shake it real good, that's another one, and tell him, say, neighbor, neighbor. It, no it no longer holds you. Yeah, it ain't got you no more. That means, watch this, watch this. So why you keep excusing it? Because the longer you excuse it, the more you'll re remain in it. Sorry, this ain't open heaven. Why you keep excusing it? Well, everybody struggle. Yeah, everybody do. But God is saying, I have given you the power over what you've been struggling in. You ain't got to remain in it. You ain't got to settle for that life. God got greater. God got more for you. So whatever sin been binding you, whatever sin think it got its grip on you, I need you to tell every demon and devil that's listening to your voice right now that say, you might have had me in my past, but you ain't got me any longer. 
God, I wish I had somebody. You don't believe me. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. You might have had me in the past, but you ain't got me no longer. Because when I rose with him, I rose, watch this, that the bondage was no longer there anymore. Here we go. The, sin of, the power of sin is broken. Sin no longer has dominion over the believer in Jesus Christ. We are not what we used to be. Sin no longer is my master. Now, once you know that, it puts confidence in your heart. The doubt is gone and the fear is gone. You start to realize that you are dealing with a vanquished foe. You realize that you are dealing with a monarch who has been dethroned. So it begins with a knowing. Catch this. Even if you don't feel it, know it. Even if I don't feel it, know it. See, that's where we miss it. Because now you don't want to put your brain into your spirituality. See, every time that I declare that sin doesn't have dominion over me, even if I still feel the sin, even if I know it's still there, my mind kicks in the gear and say, in spite of what I feel, this is what I know. And I know that God has delivered me. And I know that, I don't, that sin no longer has dominion over me. And I know that what used to have me don't have me any longer. You got to know that. That's why you got to read your word. Why should I be bound when Christ has set me free? Why? Watch this. Because when you know something in your head, watch this. It, 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 you got to know it in your head. So by the time he gets to verse number 11, he has moved from a knowing to now what's in your heart. Because you can know something in your head intellectually, but until it's in your heart, you won't believe it. So verse number 11 says, to count yourselves dead to sin. And that word count means, watch this, to affirm. Now, I know y'all like positive affirmations. You saw the little boy that was walking to school and, you know, he was doing this positive affirmation and, Y'all were saying that's so cute and that's so wonderful and stuff. And it is. It's nice. I, God bless you. Thank you for the positive information. But, but watch this. When you affirm, it is meaning, watch this, I come to this conclusion. I have reason in my mind this is true. I believe this is what is right. You know it is, it is because of the data says it so. So now I believe it and it's a heart belief. I've come to and settled in the fact and I have confidence that I am now dead to sin. Okay? It's just like, it's just like, let me put it like this, because you need imagery. It's just like when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. You remember that story? That, that when Lazarus was four days dead, Jesus shows up. He was so dead that when Jesus approached the tomb and asked them to unseal and open it, uh, uh, they, Lazarus' sister spoke out in horror and said, Lord, by this time he stinks. Can I take a praise right here? That I thank God, I serve a God that loves to deal with my stinky stuff. Okay, y'all don't know when to shout. Is there anybody in here that say, I've had some stink, stinky situations in my life, but I don't have a God that runs from it. I got a God that deals with my stinky stuff. I know you sitting next to somebody that's acting like they so sanctimonious, they ain't got no stink, but is there anybody in here, look at your neighbor and say, I smell something. That's either me or you, but I serve a God that deals with my stinky situation, my stinky life. I need you to give God praise if you got a God that ever dealt with your sinky stuff. He said, roll the stone away. Watch this. Roll it away. Um, um, 
Jesus came and then demanded that the grave be open. He spoke the word, and what did he say? Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says that Lazarus comes out walking. Now, here's, here's the revelation. The Bible says Lazarus, because it's trying to explain something to you, but the people that were standing there didn't know who it was. Did y'all miss that? Okay, because you open the grave up, you don't know who in there. They had multiple, multiple people in one grave sometimes, right? Watch this. Man comes walking out. And when he comes walking out, uh, the text says that he still had what? The grave clothes on him. And the Bible says, Jesus says, loose him and let him go. See, I see a figure with death on him, but until you take that off, he is just a dead man walking. Totally went over your head. I see a man, but I don't know who is up under there because he got on death clothes all over him. And so I need y'all to free him from the death clothes because as long as he got the death clothes on him, I need y'all to hear this, he's just a dead man walking. Y'all still ain't with this. Some of you don't realize you're just a dead man walking, but God is saying you got to take off the clothes that no longer fit your situation. You are not dead anymore. You are alive in Christ. You got to take off them old clothes. It don't fit you no more. And you know what's the saddest thing? Here's the saddest thing. If you ever watch, what's that, Walking Dead? You, you, you watch, do you ever notice that the dead people all hang around each other? They are always in groups. Mm -hmm. Watch this. They, they, they hang around each other because they tell each other, where to go in order to survive as a dead person? Y'all gonna get this in a minute. Watch this. Maybe one of the reasons why you haven't taken off the dead clothes yet, cause you hanging around other people that's dead as well. And they telling you it's all right. Watch this. And if you watch the show, sometimes they'll take something dead and put it all over them so they can camouflage themselves amongst the dead people. Oh, come here. Some of y'all hiding out amongst dead people. You got friends. You got associations. Oh, I'm not talking about outside the church. It's some dead people right up in church. You, what you, what you, can you come from around them people? Because they don't fit you no more. Gossip don't fit you no more. L laziness don't fit you no more. Lying don't fit you no more. That shady spirit, it don't fit you no more. How, how long you been saved? It don't fit no more. Take that off. Loose them and let them free. Take it off. It's too tight. In fact, watch this. You got it on and you uncomfortable it don't fit you no more. Touch your neighbor say, just set yourself free. Just set yourself free. So set yourself free. Get, get from around some of them people because it don't fit you no more. If you're going to stay out the middle, take off what don't fit. I don't care what society tell you. Are you going to live by society or are you going to live by this Bible? You got to pick. You got to stay out this middle. 
you know, this new age, you know, you know y'all Baptist Hindu now. Y'all Pentecostal Buddhist now. Y'all mix up stuff together. And you come up with your own little God that you control. Because a real God will come to you and say, stop. And you got to stop. He's saying, watch this. Take that stuff off. It don't fit you no more. Come on, let's go to my point number two. They don't like this message. Get control of what God is not in control of. You got to get control of what God is not in control of. I started, to, I started to say this on Wednesday night, and I don't know if y'all caught this. There are some of us that are praying prayers for God to do what you can do. Yeah. God, help me with my flesh. That sounds real good, right? Yeah. You need the Lord to help you with your flesh. But maybe you need to block some people from your social media. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can't have the people on your timeline that are in their thong shaking their behind. Because it ignites your flesh. I said it ignites. It, it puts it on fire. <laughs> and you praying, Lord, help me with my flesh. And the Lord is saying, there's some stuff you can shut down yourself. You are a free moral agent. There are certain, watch this. God don't control everything that you do. He has a plan, a purpose for you, but you decide if you're going to take it. There's some things that God is not in control of. He's not in control of your praise. You are the one that's in control of your praise. So you can take it when you want to, and you can give it when you want to. Watch this. You are in control of your own will. He made you a free will agent. You can do what you want when you want. You can serve him or not. So God is saying, if you want to stay out the middle, if you're tired of being, you don't, you don't want to be over here, and you're trying to go here, you got to get out of here. How do you do that? Control what God is not in control of. God is not in control of your response. Where was God when your mouth was flipped? God ain't going to come to you and say, give me your tongue. Shut up. Don't say nothing. I wish he would, but he don't. You got to put some work into this thing. You got to do something. God ain't Santa Claus, and he sure ain't Burger King. What you going to do? It's getting quiet. I love it. I really do. I love it. What are you in control of that you have not done anything to help you with your sin in order for you to fight against it? Or have you just acquiesced to say, oh, this is how it's going to be. I'm just going to be hateful my whole entire life. I mean, you don't call it that. You're just going to say, I got a strong personality. <laughs> that was good right there. <laughs> Some of y'all need to give me an offering just for that right there. I just have a strong personality. No, you're hateful and you are unwilling to change. God is saying, you got to put, get some control over what you got control over. So I got to shut down the response. I got to shut down my facial expression. I got to get control over this mouth of mine. 
I got to get control over these thoughts that I allow to settle in my mind and sit there too long. You ready for this? You might need to write this down. You need to sanctify your space. Some people don't need to be there. Some people you can't be around in this season. You got to sanctify your space. Read my points back to me. Number one was what? Say it one more time. Number two. Number three, and I'm done. Recover from separation anxiety. This is heavy. Do you know when you try to leave your sin, you're going to have separation anxiety? <laughs> oh, he's familiar. She's familiar. How much, you know how much effort I put into my sin? <laughs> y'all, y'all don't, I, am I talking, it, I feel like I'm speaking Chinese right now. You know how much I'm invested in my sin? I've invested a lot. Time, money, emotions, feelings. I put a lot into my sin. And now I got to leave it. And ain't nothing harder than leaving what you've invested in. <laughs> That's why the breakup was so hard. Because you invested in it. And you didn't get a return on your investment. And now you're going through separate. I am preaching real good right through here. And now you go through separation anxiety. Mm-hmm. And here's what God does. I'm done. And here's what God does. God comes along and starts stripping you. Because when you won't freely give it, God says, I'll strip it away from you. When you won't, don't play yet. When you won't, when you won't, freely surrender, he'll come along and just tear it from you. Because he know where you're headed, that can go with you. He know what's getting ready to happen for your life, you can't take this with you. So God will come along and strip it away. And what ends up happening is you go through separation anxiety. Mm -hmm. Never realizing the stripping was making you better. Separation anxiety. Y'all don't know what separation anxiety looked like in the church. Can I tell you what it looked like in the church? Separation anxiety is those moments, hear me, where God is trying to pull you closer to him, but you are fighting to stay away. Because the devil I know is better than the devil I don't know. The me I know is better than the me I don't know. So I had these conversations with the saints. They started to go through, pastor, I'm going to stay away from church. Are you serious right now? That's your solution. I was talking to one, and I got mad in the email. I told, told the person I was mad. I said, I'm sorry, I'm writing this in, in anger. <laughs> Just to be honest with you. I'm writing this in anger because don't you see that you are in the stripping season of your life? Can I bless you real good? I, this is what I had to learn about the stripping season. When God starts stripping people and friends and feelings and emotions and things around you, that's the time you need to give God glory. 
because that means he getting ready to shift you somewhere. Okay, y'all ain't, ain't got that. I came to announce to somebody that's in the stripping season of your life, you are very close to where God is getting ready to take you because he wouldn't strip you just to leave you. He's stripping you to take you where he wants you to go. But you got to get over separation anxiety. That's who I used to be. We was good together. You know that old me. Can I tell you something? That's why you better be careful. I think Amber said this on, on Wednesday night. You have to be careful of even the music you listen to. Because sometimes music will take you back and reset you all over again. I remember that song right there. See how that residue just got you? When you are in the stripping season, you got to sanctify your space. Because God is trying to take you somewhere. And what sabotages us and me and you every time is the place called separation anxiety. I'm scared. I'm scared of the new me. I knew who the old me was. But I'm scared of this new me. You, the new me? The responsible me? That new me? I don't know who that is. That new me that got to say no to my flesh? Who is that? I've been telling my, myself yes for so long now. Now you want to tell me I got to say no? I don't know who that is. And that's scary. And I don't want to leave that. Watch this. My dog, Sadie. She's such a sweet dog. My dog, Sadie, suffers from severe separation anxiety. Anybody that's ever been around her knows she has real bad separation anxiety. Um, my parents come in town. They are in the house. If I leave, she whines the whole entire time I'm gone. If I, I try to give her food and I'll leave, when I come back, that food is still sitting there and she's sitting in the same spot I left her in. Because she doesn't like to be separated from her master. It drives her crazy. It drives me crazy because when we're in the house, she follows me to every room. <laughs> All day. Every room I'm in, she wants it. And then this week, this is the new thing. So my office is in front of my living room. Her bed is in the living room. She took her bed and dragged it into my office and laid down. Can you just leave me alone just for a minute? It, 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 it blows my mind. So if I, when I go home today, I don't care how long it's been, she's going to be in the exact same spot I left her in. She wasted a whole entire time. I'm trying to break it off of her. Rebecca, help me. I don't know what to do. Rebecca, help me. Because, you, you know, you, you, you're a veterinarian. You help me. And, and so she has bad separation anxiety because she waits on her master. Let me help you. When you are going through separation anxiety of who the old you trying to be the new you, you need to learn how to wait on your master that you wait for him to come back, that you wait for him to show up. And even when I don't feel like the new me, I'm still waiting on my master. Do me a favor, lift your hands, and for 30 seconds, I need you to wait and worship with him. Come on. Open your mouth and wait and worship. I'm struggling. I'm having separation anxiety. I don't know who this new me is going to be. And it's scary, this season that I'm in. I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how it's going to come together. But I wait on my master. I'm waiting on you, God. Come on, open your mouth. 
I'm done. I need you to worship him right through here. Come on. The new you is getting ready to show up. The new place that God has for you is getting ready to show up. But I need you to worship him here. Wait on your master. You're not a, you're not a, you're not a slave to sin any longer. You're a slave to righteousness.